Welcome back to Open House with Mark Seawick and Corey James Moran, brought to you by the Mark Seawick team at Keller Williams Realty, a greater Rochester real estate podcast. Welcome to episode 72. Mark, how are you doing? I am great. How are you? I'm doing really well. And uh, we have some guests uh, for this week. We had a conversation actually with two of Mark's mentors. Yeah, from... God, a long time ago. Um, we get into it. Real estate operated very differently when they were in their heyday. <laughs> and it, really, it really was the Pony Express. I mean, oh you're not going to believe how they describe... I don't know how business was done. Business was done much, much, much more slowly. But, you know, when you talk about these teams, you know, teams selling, you know, 80, $85 million a year. Yeah. A lot of that can be attributed to technology and the uh-huh. speed sure. with which things, everything, everything moves quickly these days. Back then... It really, it really was slow. Yeah, uh, intro them a little bit here, just to give a little, uh, a little info on uh, who we'll be talking to. Um, it's uh, Diana Boucher, uh, who took me under her wing back in 1990 at mm-hmm. Lowenguth Realty. She trained you, she said. She trained me. Yeah, she took me under her wing, and she was very kind to me. And Julie Holzbach, who um, remains a dear friend, and. Um, Oh my God, she's a spitfire. You don't need to ask her how she's feeling about <laughs> something. She, you don't have to ask her opinion on something. She is more yeah. than glad to share. Certainly is, and they and they will share. They will share yes, uh, yeah, coming yeah, up here in yeah, just a little yeah. bit. But let's jump into the market update, shall we? Uh, I'm ready. Okay. What, do, what do you got for us? Um, it's actually not looking that bad. So let's see. As of our recording last week, there was 502 active single-family listings in Monroe County. Uh, it is now down to 491. Okay. So not terrible. Um, no, no, I didn't expect it. Yeah. Again, again, we'll continue to see that drop off as we get closer to Thanksgiving. I, I think anyway, I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, it'll, it'll continue to drop off. It's going to continue to drop off really you know, for the next two months. We think. We, we, well, <laughs> this is well, very true. I'll elaborate on that in yes, a second. Yeah, um, yeah. As far as the six-county region, uh, there was 898 active listings as of last week. Uh, right now, 857. So, Great. fair little drop there. But, again, I, I, can't, I can't get over that I was expecting more of a drop already, and things are just still kind of cooking. Yeah, yeah. Mark, your sale on Denonville. Oh, my God. So, so Denonville, for those um, who, who don't know and why would you, and we, t- we mentioned it last week, it's this Mad Men-like, Frank Sinatra-inspired uh, mid-century modern on a beautiful one-and-a-half-acre lot in Penfield, cul-de-sac. Listed it for four hundred fifty thousand dollars. Did a really really fun video. That was a great oh, video. Was, your fa- um, I mean, our favorite one. Uh, you know what? It, it, it is definitely one of my two or three favorite ones. Okay. Yeah, and and it, and it really did blow up. Um, you know, in thousands. And thousands. I mean, I, God, we're so fortunate for thousands of views. All right, so, um, we listed for four fifty. Um, this is in November, in the middle of. It. We ended up with 11 offers. We ended up selling this thing $100,000 over asking. And it was one of, I mean, there were six offers that came in $50,000 or more yeah. over asking. Yep. There were two offers that came in $100,000 uh, wow. or more over asking. So Springtime behavior. Still, it uh, is. There's just not enough product. But it goes up. to show that if there's, if there's good product, mm-hmm. if it's appropriately priced, if it's in great condition, it's gonna. It's still gonna sell. You know, it's interesting too. People go crazy for those mid-century modern homes. You, you either get it or you don't. Yeah. Um, 
I really appreciate the aesthetic. I think I think this one in particular, it's, it's probably, of all the mid-century moderns I've sold, it's probably the most interesting, the most, um, the most Laura, the most Laura Petrie, if you will, uh, that's referenced to Dick Van Dyke. Um, it's, it's very, it was just a great example of mid-century modern. But that being said, I could never live in it myself. Sure, but, yeah. but, but if you like mid-century modern, oh man, it, it, yeah, you, you go crazy for it. Now, the number of listings aren't the only things that have uh, gone down. Mortgage rates. Haven't said this in a while. Yeah. Um, a, a pretty decent drop, I would say. So as of last week, they were at 7.375%. Um, in reaction to those CPI numbers coming out, seeing a bigger um, uh, a bigger jump down for the inflation mm-hmm. than we were expecting, uh, that is definitely fueling this. They're now at 6 Point eight seven five percent. That's 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 a significant. That's a significant drop. Which it's funny to think, you know, a year ago we're celebrating being under seven percent. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah. We're celebrating. And, I mean, and more likely than not, uh, come the fourteenth of December, when it is uh, the F, uh, the, the FOMC, uh, the Federal Open Market Committee, when they meet uh, the fourteenth of December, they're going to h- uh, hike rates another half point. Okay, no two ways about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and interest rates will go up again. But but there's a nice sort of. If that's going to happen, well, it's it's nice that this uh, this drop took place. Um, and we we talked last week about the fact that um, the uh, National Mortgage Brokers Association um, they are predicting that interest rates will actually drop to five point four percent. You know, by the end of next year. So manageable. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So manageable. So you know, we're just going to continue to see this fluctuation up and down right. over the course of the next uh, six nine months. Again, I've been saying once the December CPI numbers come out, that's really going to tell I, th- I think a big part of this story because if we see a similar drop that we did with these numbers. I think that is incredibly positive moving forward. Yeah, and CPI, just as a reminder, consumer price index, um, it's, it's a, the primary uh, gauge or index uh, <clears throat> for uh, determining the rate of inflation. Um, and I mean, listen, I'm not an economist, but they continue to say, and I continue to read and hear that once the rate of inflation starts to come down, it really once it starts, boom. Then it really does come down pretty quickly. Yep. So we're hoping that over the we're going to start to see some significant decreases over the course of the next three or four months. Uh, helping those mortgage rates, of course, is the fact that stocks rallied and bond prices improved in response to those numbers as well. So that the hope there is that inflation has peaked, um, and it's just, it may be a, a slower drop down than we would like, but we'll get there eventually. Yep, we will. We will. Um, a lot of uh, our clients are. Uh, and, and my clients personally are sending me texts uh, thanking them oh my for, uh, for the, it's pie season, Mark, yes, here yes, at the Mark Seawick yeah, team. Yeah. Uh, so we, uh, we do this every year. I love doing this. You know, of all the things that we do, whether it's, you know, the Red Wings game or whether it's, you know, the pumpkin pies, uh, I'm sorry, uh, giving out pie, uh, giving out pumpkins um, at Wickham Farms, you know, these things that we do throughout the year. People lose their <laughs> minds over these pies that we deliver in the week before Thanksgiving. And I always forget, I literally forget every single year that I can't I've got to set time aside on my calendar every day because of the number of text messages and emails that come in. I mean, my my, my box is just like yours, flooded. Which it's it's great. Again, it's just a little thank you, just a, a little giving back for the trust that our clients have put into us, which is something that. We can never thank them enough for. <laughs> yeah, and I think what's really sweet from my perspective is that it's less about some flour, a little bit of shortening, and some fruit filling. I think that people, you know, sure, who doesn't like a slice of pie? I think that people 
genuinely realize the intent behind the gesture. And that's what's so heartwarming for me. Oh, it's, it's just, the best. Yeah, it really is. That, again, heading into oh, the season what? of thanks, yeah. I mean, and, and by, by the way, I mean, how many how many pies have you delivered? Uh, let's see. I personally have done over 50, I want to say. Yeah. Which is nothing compared to some of our other uh, team I mean, members. I, I know. We, we are delivering, I think it's 1,350 pies. That's a lot uh, of pies. Yeah, that, that's, that's a lot of pies. Now, before so. anyone else on the team is listening to this and says, wait a second, you only had to deliver 50 pies. I'm way out east. I'm going to Victor. I'm going to Canadagua. I'm going to Farmington. Very, very, very true. Very true. <laughs> so. um, yeah. I mean, the other fact that I delivered, you know, 400 pies myself, you know. Oh, I thought I heard it was 600. <laughs> I'm not bitter. I'm, I'm not. I'm not bitter. <laughs> um, but as we head into Thanksgiving, of course, is next week. Um, it's it's obviously the perfect time for that. The pumpkin pie too. Just bring it to your family's Thanksgiving. There you go. One less thing for you to do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, Mark, um, you talked about this, and, and I think we're going to get into it maybe a little bit here towards the end when we talk about our favorite things about Rochester. But you had your pre-Thanksgiving. Uh, the kickoff to the holiday season, yep, as yep, you call yep. it, out at Herds, and and we'll and we'll get into that yep, a little yep, bit more. Just awesome. Uh, what's what's the game plan for Thanksgiving itself? Uh, so my mom flies in in about five hours. I'm oh, looking wow, forward awesome. to seeing mom. She's nice. going to be in town for a few days. Uh, tomorrow is our traditional um, friendsgiving, and we will have eighteen or so uh, friends. And then actually, one of my, and I love that. That is for me the most sacred night of the year. It's like a Robert Altman film. Year in and year out, the same cast of characters comes together. Uh, everybody talks about what it is that they're grateful for in the preceding year. And it starts out light and humorous, and then by the third or fourth, it becomes it, the, the tone changes, and it becomes a bit more serious. And usually uh, there are tears being shed because Aww, there's just sweet. a lot There's a lot to be thankful for. Sure. So, yeah. yeah, what about you? What are you doing? Um, so actually this upcoming weekend, my in-laws do something which I think is really smart because a lot of people find themselves in a situation where they're going to one Thanksgiving, then they have to go to the other side of the family's Thanksgiving, and then they have to go to the in-laws' Thanksgiving. And it can just create a day that instead of being thankful, you're just exhausted. Um, So what my in-laws do is they celebrate Thanksgiving with the entire family a week before. So we're actually having our Thanksgiving with them, our pre-Thanksgiving on Sunday. Down the hill on Sunday? Yep, down the hill on Sunday. Oh, there we go. That's great. And then my wife and the boys and I are headed to my parents' house out in Endicott, New York for uh, for a little bit next week. So we'll be there for that. Oh, that's great. Well, let's hope that you're not having to battle five feet of snow. I know. Um, We've been lucky so far. But again, it's Friday as we record this. Uh, Buffalo, or parts of it anyway, is getting hammered right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So much so the Bills game was moved to Detroit. I know, isn't that insane? I know someone who's taking his family to to Detroit. Detroit. (laughs) Really? He's like, I'm going to go to that game. I'm like, okay. Wow, wow. It should be be fascinating. It it, it will be fascinating. What the totals are what they're projecting. And again, how can... How can the forecasters get away with this? They were projecting one to three feet. That is a huge difference between oh. one foot and three feet. Well, well but now I've heard like over, over five feet. Wow, really? Like, li- li- literally. Really? Over five feet of snow. Man. I, I grew up six miles from the stadium. I was going to say, yeah. This is like... Dusting. <laughs> this is like, yeah, yeah. Another Saturday morning. Wow, <laughs> so. five feet. Well, they got hit, what, with that snowstorm a few years back that was a, 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 about that size, and people yeah. were trapped inside their homes oh, yeah. because there was so much snow? Yeah. Man, it, and we think we have a bad year. We don't. <laughs> not, not, not at all. 
Um, one more thing we wanted to mention before we get to our guests for this week is a very exciting update for the team here. Oh, yeah. We have our move-in date. Yeah, yeah. So if anyone's listening, wants to help us move. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, really excited. Again, Mark has been very secretive with the renovations over at the new building, so the grand reveal is coming. Yep. Uh, 1357 Monroe Avenue. So um, this coming Monday, they begin laying down the carpet. Uh, today they stained. Uh, so so the, the hardwood floor has been stained uh, where they need to be stained. Carpet's going down. The painting is being finished up. I mean, really, a, a, a lot of a lot of last minute sort of. So we should be done with renovations in about two weeks. We should be moving in in about three weeks. Um, and, and actually, the, the actual day where the team will be hold, holding their first meeting coincidentally coincides with the same day that our new COO is ah, starting. There we go. Another, yeah. another big announcement. Yeah, yeah. so so um, Ed Kellum is coming over. and Big fan of the podcast. Oh, God. He's probably still listening. We love you, bud. <laughs> he better be listening. Um, <laughs> um, I am beyond excited about this guy. I mean, I, I, the interview went so well. I just, I wanted to end the interview and just go and have a beer. I <laughs> yeah. just enjoy him so much as a person. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very, very excited about this. So his first day in the office is going to be the first day that the team is meeting. And I just can't wait to talk more about Ed in the weeks to come. I just want to share one little thing about Ed real quick. Yeah. Because in preparation for trying to get this job, he listened to... 70 of the podcasts yep, yep. over the course of a couple of weeks, I, I think. Yeah. Uh, I was shocked when I met him. He wasn't like, no, please don't speak. I don't want to hear your voice. <laughs> uh, but I have never seen anyone put as much work and preparation into an interview as as he did. And uh, that that was true. And, and he, studied, he studied the website. Oh, yeah. Everything. He introduced himself um, to each member of the team who was interviewing by name. Mm -hmm. He knew friends of yours from yep. Endicott. He yeah. knew friends of yours from Albany. Yeah, like, from a roommate of mine who I haven't thought about in years. This guy, and as, and as creepy as this sounds, yeah. not at all. He's like, he's just, he's just a hardworking guy mm -hmm. who is really well prepared. I am, I think the entire team is just oh, very excited. Extremely. Yeah. Again, yeah. I'm really looking forward to to things really, really taking off yeah. uh, next year. You know, because we've been struggling so much. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Um, but uh, as we talk now about looking for uh, towards the future, let's take a step back and go to the past. We're going to talk to two of Mark's mentors. All right, let me make the introductions. I started in the business back in 1990, 32 years ago. And I was very fortunate at that point in time to have uh, several people around me who really took me under their wing and supported me and mentored me. So um, it started with a woman who, uh, who's sitting with us. Her name is Diana. Say hello, Diana. Hi. That is Diana Boucher. So Diana, I was just this lost kid, um, and Diana took me under her wing and mentored me my first few years of selling real estate with Low & Guth Realty, which was this boutique firm. And then there was this brassy, saucy, this like this bigger-than-life personality who, um, who was down the hall um, who taught me so much about self-confidence and about life in general, and that was Julie Holzbach. And you, you heard, say hello, Julie. Hello. <laughs> there you go. See? Nailed it. That's all you do. That's how we do that. Hello, everybody. Um, um, Diana had mentioned, Mark, while we were chatting here before yeah. we started recording that, you were a lot calmer when she first met you. So. Oh, dear. Well, I was, I was probably very calm when she met me, and then I became not so calm. But I'm calmer now. <laughs> That's true. It's a, yeah, it's a bell curve. It's, 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 it's a cycle. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. So all, all this was taking place back on um, back in 1990. We started on East Avenue together. 
um, east near the corner of uh, Winton, and then we moved into a great place um, on Monroe Avenue in Brighton. Um, so, and, and, and there was just a, there was a lot I think that played out in real estate then that is very very different from um, the way that real estate is conducted today. And I thought it might be interesting to just um, you know, look back um, and and see the differences between what it is that we're doing today and, and how it is that it was played out 30 years ago. <laughs> so everything was at a much, much slower pace. Walk us through what the process was like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we had the book. Yes. <laughs> My first year in real estate, we didn't have the book. We oh, had the cards. The cards, yeah. And, and what year was this, Julie? 1978. Wow, okay. Yeah. So that was the last year of the cards. You dropped your cards, you were out of business. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and the cards were literally index cards, right? Index cards yes. in, a, in a file box. So then um, we went to the, the book, and that was, really, that was really upscale for us. Um, but do you remember seeing pictures of houses or what might have been a house with a windshield across the front of the picture because the photographer didn't want didn't want to get out of the car oh and it God. was raining wow. so oh, wow. there were pictures of houses and you had to look between where the windshield wiper was on the picture oh that, that's that's insane well describe what the book i mean i know what the book was i saw a few copies yeah. they it still existed for a few days after i started but what what was the book what did it look like it it was, oh, I'd say maybe, what, an inch and a half thick? An inch and a half thick. Right, and it would be by... It was a picture book. Yeah, by, by in the city, and it would be by, I believe, wards. By ward. And then it would be by towns. So, and then you really couldn't see the picture or the writing because it was so small. Right. <laughs> exactly. It was just like this little blurry image. Yes, right. along with the windshield wiper. And yeah. then if we did a deal... The process was you wrote your offer, you got together with the other realtor on the other side, and you figured out how are we going to make this deal work. So between the two realtors, we would make it work before we even presented offers. And then we would have to take our accepted offer downtown. Yes. Believe this or not, we had to actually get in our cars and drive downtown to an attorney's office to get approval. And sit in the attorney's office for, oh, maybe a half an hour, an hour, 45 minutes. Really? Two hours. Like depending God. Oh, yeah. Depending... <laughs> Depending on what mood they were in and how much they liked your office or you particularly, you could waste a whole day sitting in the attorney's office. Because this is, I mean, just, just to go back, this is before fax machines even existed. Fax machines? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. No fax machines. No. Yep. Mm -mm. I'm just in my mind imagining what it would be like if Mark was sitting in an attorney's office for two hours waiting mm -hmm. to get a meeting to be able mm -hmm. to go yeah, through. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, Mark no. would be having a hissy fit. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to deny it. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, absolutely. I just, I, I just moved too quickly. Thank God, technology started to, to to improve the speed with which we were able to conduct. But wait, let's go. Just, let's go back just a second. So then you find them a property. You write. I mean, one of one of the things that I remember 
because uh, I was start, I started in 1990. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I remember is you would be, you would as you suggested you would go to the seller's house and you would present in person the offer to the seller and to the seller's agent. Yes. Um, and so that was very very time consuming. And then if they countered, you would go into the they would be sitting in the dining room or the living room. Mm-hmm. You would go into the kitchen. You would use the dial phone, the rotary phone usually, and dial up your client. Hope that they picked up. And then you would have to whisper the counter, the counter offer to them because you didn't want the principals, the, the seller, and the agent in the other room to hear what it was that you were saying. Is this? Is this? Well, may it might have happened that way, but in most cases, you had to go back to your your buyers in person and present that counter offer because you had to do everything in writing. So you you couldn't do anything over the phone. There was no fax. You didn't have a cell phone. So you had to really meet with them in person. And there was usually a time limit for the counter offer to be presented. Right, so so clearly, clearly I was just cutting corners because <laughs> right. I wasn't like, I was like, no. seriously, I, did, I, had, no. I, had, I had no time to like, no. no, I was just picking up the phone. I was whispering into the phone, trying to make a deal happen. So... Well, I can remember one time I had an offer that I needed to present in Ontario, and it was a horrible night, and the other realtor and I were going to drive together, and we arrive at the seller's home. I have forgotten the offer. Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> This is true to form back in the day for me, not for Diana. Oh, right. (laughs) Diana was on it. I have always been a little, not with the program. One statistic I do remember is that I believe, because we were with Lowing with Realty, and I believe that uh, the the entire agency um, sold like $12 million in real estate one year, and then he, no. he finally got it up to like 50-some million dollars. No, the, our best year was $110 million. Well, well, the, well, yeah, the, the, that was with the passing of time, yes. It was not the, in the beginning, not, not in the beginning, oh, no, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, no. yeah, so, um, but but mm. things moved slowly. Very so, slowly, very but, slowly. But, but technology, so, so then all of a sudden, uh, you know, as, as I said, I started in 1990, about 1991, 1992, is when we had the first electronic database. So we were able to go on to the computer right. and start to search for properties on the computer. And that, that, was, that was definitely, it definitely started to speed things up. But I distinctly remember not having the privilege of being able to email these to our clients so you could you could research it yeah. and then you would have to print off all the listings. We didn't know what an email email had not been invented. Email had not been invented, exactly. <laughs> so then you would print these things off and then drive them to your client's house. Right. Or they would come by the office and they would pick them up. Right, exactly. A mimeograph exactly. paper. Yeah. 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 Yes, yeah. I'm trying to wrap my head around all of this is knowing <laughs> how things operate now and how fast things operate. It, it's, no. it's, it's instantaneous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And... Not only in terms of being able to communicate, I, I think the biggest, well, one of the biggest changes is the, ways, the way that we market properties now. Right. And because, because as Julie said, and as Diana said, you, know, you would originally, you would have to get out a magnifying glass and look at some black and white image that had, I don't know, if you were lucky, 500 pixels um, to, to determine you know, what kind of property was being mm-hmm. sold. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we suddenly started, oh, and, and, and then you suddenly started, actually, there was a, a publication called Harmon Homes, 
which oh, would right, come right. out once a week with a larger black and white image. And then once a month, there was something you could pick up at Wegmans called the Real Estate Guide, which had a color image on mm-hmm. glossy paper. Mm-hmm. But an entire from the time that your property was listed until it was actually published in this in this um, this publication, that was that was thirty days that would pass. Right, and you had one picture. W- one, yeah, one picture, which is the front of the house. Period. You know, did working from the buy side? I mean, I would assume that buyers would just want to see everything because they wouldn't be able to actually glean anything from. Please. Yeah. Do they want to see everything? <laughs> they want to see everything between here and the moon. And then they want to go back and look at it again. And I had a buyer who had looked at this house. We'd looked at it twice already. And then he said to me, well, I don't think we want to make an offer on that because it's not in the right location. And I said to him, did it move? Did the house move? We've been here. No. I said, the next house, he had, they had looked at 60 houses by that point. Then I said, the next house you will look at, I will come and meet you with a written purchase offer on the house. And? Which you will sign. Did, did you? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, there, well, there you go. That's one way to do it. It was a little house on Belgard Street. I still remember. That's amazing. One of my favorite things that Julie ever said, and and I I really did learn so much. I was listening to a conversation, eavesdropping one day, and, and she said, all I hear is one side of the conversation. Let's face it. You don't like me, and I don't like you. I suggest you go find another agent. Click. Click. Yep. Yeah. Famous for that. (laughs) The other interesting thing that we did at Low and Goose, and and I'm sure it was with every agency, um, we did what we called um, caravans. Yes. Caravans. Every other week, we would pile into cars and we would go see our new listings, which was fun. <clears throat> no, it wasn't. Yes, it was. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. Oh. <laughs> because all of a sudden you'd be like, you know, somebody would have one listing in Rush, and so you would, you know, you would drive forty minutes there. You know, you'd walk through, you'd drive forty minutes back. It was, it was brutal. Yeah. Um, and then the other, the the alternative week, we would have an office meeting, and I, the one of the things that I liked about that was though there was there was a camaraderie. Number yeah, one, yeah. number two. You were bouncing ideas off of each other, and you learned a lot of things from all the other people in the office. Well, we, we, we discovered um, through uh, working from home, as a result of COVID, we had, we had to start working from home. And yeah, it's a lot of the com- Yeah, yeah, a lot of the camaraderie that we enjoyed as a team mm-hmm. really did start to uh, dissipate and, and fall apart as a result from work from home. Um, you know, we are now going to a, a, a hybrid me- uh, uh, work method in which people are coming into the office three days a week now instead of two. Um, and we just worked with our executive coach, Jim Mahan. And, you know, immediately the, the camaraderie was restored and has been restored. But th- that camaraderie is really important because he suggested a few minutes ago, Diana, it's important for people to be together. So they can right. enjoy each other. They can rely on each other. Right. You can learn from each other. Yeah. That's all important. So. Yeah. I you know, I used to ask people to help me write an ad. Sure, I always had trouble sure. writing ads. And you had to write ads. That was the other thing. You had to write an ad. You had to have 
your listings in the newspaper if you were going to try to sell a listing, which, you know, you don't have to do that now. I mean, it's on the computer. It's, you know, it's on the Internet. Nobody does it. <clears throat> yeah. No, no. I mean, the, the Democrat and Chronicle, I mean, they, they were kept afloat for years as a result of the income they derived from the Saturday Absolutely. supplement. Absolutely. Um, I mean, there was a lot of money being spent for full-page ads. Mm -hmm. Agents, uh, you know, were advertising themselves. Yeah. You know, and it really is, I mean, who would have thought? Back in the '80s, um, back in the early '90s, where where things have gone. I mean, in terms of technology, in terms of podcasts, mm -hmm. in terms of blogs that are disseminated through email to sixty thousand people, uh, social media, the videos that we're putting out right now. I mean, it's who would have thought that it would become so sophisticated in such a short period of time? We had no phones, no cell phones, right? No computers, no fax machines, no internet, yeah. no emails. Yeah. And we made money. <laughs> Hand over fist. <laughs> Thank you again to our guests. Appreciate you guys Thank coming you. in. Oh, of course. Um, um, and, and I just got to say one oh, more yeah. time, I could not enjoy the success that I do today, save for the fact that Diana and Julie and Garlo and Guth, the three of them were so kind to me. 30-some years ago, and, and, and to this day, I remain indebted. So thank you both. Well, I, I want to tell you guys, too, that... Mark obviously was so moved by what you did for him that he is always willing to help others. I, I mean, we just had it again the other day. Just an 18-year-old kid that wants to get into real estate mm -hmm. randomly reached out and sent a message and sent a message to a number of agents. And Mark immediately booked a meeting when the other agents didn't have time for him. Good. So that, that's, that's kind of you. That's good. Thing. So, good. I mean, it's obviously... You know, it's part of your success, too. So yeah. it all, it's all full go. circle. Well, thank you. Here's to old friends. Here we Love go. you guys. Thank you. I still am trying to wrap my brain around how they did real estate in the fashion that they described. Change, as, as much change as we've experienced since I started 32 years ago, when it's happening incrementally, yeah. it doesn't seem all, but you look back in 30 years, you're like, oh my God. God, I mean, it was like, you know, the only thing missing was like the stagecoach. I mean, it was, <laughs> it, it was, it was insane. Um, but I would venture to guess that over the course of the next few years, I mean, there's so much change that's going on right now. Sure. We as a team are, every, every, I mean, the team's been awesome, but every few weeks, every few months, I'm bringing a new process or a new technology. Uh, I, I, we, we, you know, we as a team, I was uh, uh, telling everybody about, uh, generative uh, AI. Oh, and, yes. and, and I won't bore anybody with gener what generative AI is, but I can. I think we can all see how it is that generative AI is going to be influencing the way we sell, we sell real estate in the next few years. And there's more and more technology. So as much change as there was in the past 30 years, I think there's going to be even more to come in the next 10. Wow. Well, we shall see. Um, let's jump into a couple of uh, celebrity real estate items. Uh, let's start with Giselle. Of course, the high-profile divorce with Tom Giselle. Brady. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Really? Poor Giselle? Uh, I mean, that, that, was, that was sarcasm. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> I was about to say, uh, she just closed in her $11.5 million she, she's okay. luxury yeah. home in Surfside, Florida. Yeah. Here's what's kind of interesting. Um, mm. and, and for anyone listening who's been uh, in a divorce situation, imagine you split and you go and get your own places and you decide to pick your place that is right across the way from your ex's place. That is what Giselle has done. Wow. Um, that luxury home she bought for $11.5 is just across the water from Tom Brady's uh, Indian Creek Island Mega Mansion. So can wave over, you know, when the kids are over there. 
Well, it's, it's going to be very convenient, given that they're both having to defend themselves in a lawsuit as sort of, uh, associated with the FTX bank bankruptcy. Oh, I didn't even see so, it. So I'm following this. How convenient. <laughs> How convenient. They can send smoke signals. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, the listings, five bedrooms, 4,000 square feet. Uh, the property has 25-foot soaring ceilings, massive terraces, stunning views. Wow. Um, there's also home theater, office, gym, playroom, eating kitchen. And it opens up uh, to, a, to a patio. And again, views of her ex. And isn't this, I think this is right across the waterway from Darcy Glazer. Oh, yeah, I think, I believe so. Yeah, um, Darcy uh, is one of Malcolm Glazer's five children, um, and uh, they, they are the owners of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, in, in addition to Manchester United and all sorts of other things. They're doing okay, too. They're doing okay. Lots of things. All right, one more here. We'll keep with the sports theme. Okay. Um, Derek well, Jeter. Yeah, what about Derek? What sport did he play? Uh uh, baseball. Yes, Here we go. All right. Yes. Uh, how, how did I do? Crushed yeah. it. Hundred percent. All right. Great. A plus plus plus. A uh, little scandal there in terms of um, uh, steroid use, right? Was yeah. I, was you no. get? I don't oh, think. No. Oh no. Oh, oh come on. Just go with me. It's Just say yes. No. Yeah. I'm. I'm. You know. I. Okay. I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Okay. Ma all right. Maybe. I'll, I'll go that far. Um, he is uh, doing something a little bit interesting here with his property, which is legit a castle. Um, putting it up for auction, mm. as opposed to listing. Wait, now, where does he own a castle? So the castle is um, on on Greenwood Lake, so it's about an hour or so from from Manhattan. He purchased it for one point two million in two thousand five, mm. like actual castle. Mm. Uh, it was once listed for fourteen point seven five back in twenty fourteen. Last year, they shaved a couple million off the price. Um, and obviously, they still need to sell it. That's why it's going to auction. But it's six bedrooms, 12 baths, wow. uh, 12,590 square feet of living space. And if you want to get into this, minimum bid of $6.5 million. Wow. 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 A uh, castle. A legit castle. A legit castle. Yeah. Everybody needs a castle. <laughs> uh, Mark, this is something we started doing uh, recently here on the podcast, and that is the best thing in Rochester this week. Uh, <laughs> It, it, it's, it's a few days old, but they're still they're still doing it. They're still rolling it out. Yep. Herd Orchards. Herd Orchards is this remarkable farm on the western border of Monroe County. It's uh, currently owned by uh, Susan Herd Mac uh, Susan Herd Macamer and her daughter Amy Macamer. Uh, they are seventh and eighth generation owners of this uh, this farm. It is uh, it's it's a uh, fruit farm and a flower farm and. For 25, on 25 separate occasions over the course of the past 27 years, I have gone to Thanksgiving dinner there. They have this beautiful thrashing barn that they erected uh, about 25 years ago, about 20 years ago, actually. <clears throat> um, and 10 or 12 times in the weeks leading up to Thanksgiving, they host Thanksgiving dinners for about 75 people. You come in, and it is the most beautiful setting. As I said, it's in an old barn. There are dried flowers, and there are candles everywhere, there are gourds, there are pumpkins, and there are six or seven tasting stations. Um, and it's the way that I kick off the holidays. It, it is. So if you've never been to Herd Orchards, check it out, H-U-R-D, and um, tell Amy that you said hello, I mean, that I said hello. It's, it's, it's just spectacular. We got to go as a team last year, and it was <clears throat> awesome. Yeah, it's, yeah, they, they, they do it right out there. Um, for me, the best thing in Rochester this just, week. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, there's been a lot of renovations and developments happening in the city of Rochester. A lot of things in the works, a lot of exciting things. And one of the things that I find maybe most interesting 
is the Neighborhood of Play by the Straw Museum of Play. Yeah, yeah, right. So there's uh, there's apartments that are up there now, uh, and a restaurant just recently opened there called Nerdvana, mm. which is um, true to form. You can play video games and board games there while oh, you wow. get some food and, uh, and drink some cocktails. So I haven't gotten to go personally yet, but it's very cool. To, that's, I mean, when you think about a city, there's a lot of things that are very similar, right? You have all this, this standard stuff. But every great city has that kind of unique twist that is unique to itself. And the neighborhood of play can just be another feather in our cap here sure, in Rochester sure. of something that makes us just a little bit different. Yeah, Strong Museum is just a world-class museum. It's so much fun. And um, I'm glad for the, uh, for the renovations because... That neighborhood was really, oh, yeah. yeah, kind of a, a little, yeah, a little downtrodden. So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of remarkable uh, as a result of the filling in of the uh, the inner loop and all of the money. I mean, what, what was spent like twenty five million dollars to fill insane. in the inner loop? Yeah, yeah well, no, I, I actually, I think that's like a small amount of money. Yeah, for what the payoffs for the be. Pay, for the payback exactly. Like that's that's pretty remarkable. So um, we got to get to this restaurant. Yeah, that would be a fun and, spot and for the team. Boy, and let's face it. I mean, post COVID. This community is in need of new restaurants. Oh yeah! Oh, yeah. we're desperate. We're desperate, uh, desperately in need. So hopefully, this is uh, the, the start of a surge of new restaurants that'll be opening. Yeah, the the owner of it actually works for a company behind uh, a pretty famous video game franchise called Borderlands. Oh, um, and they actually this is their second location they've opened. They have one. Is it Frisco, Texas? Huh. I want to say it's in Texas. They opened it up in the HQ of their company there. This is the second one they've opened up since. Board, board, so do you know oh, Borderlands? I've never. I've, okay. I uh, I was more into video games back in the day. Two kids now. I, um, I was. I, w- I would have been shocked. I, yeah. I would have been surprised. So you don't know Borderlands? Okay. No, never got into okay. that one. Wow. Um, but still, very cool. So Nerdvana. We'll we'll get a uh, we'll get on the schedule for the team. Let, let's do it. That would be great. Let's All right. Have a beer. All right. Anything else you want to touch on? No, no. I think this is uh, this is great. I'm just. I, Truth be told, I got to get the hell out of here. I got to go buy a turkey. Oh, oh no! Yeah, 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 yeah because I got I got to get this thing thawed. Yeah. Within the next twenty four hours, and doesn't it take like you know a week and a half? I was gonna to say, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So. Well, good luck. Uh, thanks. Do you, do you have a flamethrower you can use? Uh, or? You know, I, I I think the secret is to immerse it in water, ah, tepid ah, water. Okay. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll keep my fingers crossed. I'll let you know. All right. We'll report back next week on the podcast. Uh, as always, get more. MarkSeawick.com. That's where you can find the blog, the obviously other podcast episodes, our videos, and all of our listings. We'll talk to you again next week. It's Open House with Mark Seawick and Corey James Moran.